0: Hello oh, and welcome to the Accountability Coach Podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money, work less, so you can enjoy even better work-life balance. And rack here. Today, we're honored to have a special guest with us. Robbie Slaughter is a workflow and productivity expert, and you know how important I think this is to your business. His consulting practice assists a wide variety of organizations, including Fortune 500 companies, regional nonprofits, small businesses, and even individual entrepreneurs to help increase productivity, simplify workflows, and optimize business successes. He discovered that to become even more effective and efficient at work, we need to empower individuals with the authority and responsibility, and I couldn't agree more. Welcome Robbie. we appreciate you joining us today.
1: Happy to be here.
0: Well, let's start off with just maybe a really simple, broad question. What is the number one reason people struggle with being productive at work?
1: I love this question because it cuts right to the heart of the issue that so many small business owners and professionals face. And really, the reason we struggle to be productive is that we don't properly evaluate and internalize the emotional impact of the tasks we have to do and the people we need to work with.
0: So could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Like what specifically does that mean and how would we do that?
1: Yeah, so emotional impact is really about the idea that you and I are human and we have feelings and we have a sense of identity around the work we have to do and the people who are with us. And so some tasks you're excited about, you're looking forward to you, you can't wait really to check them off your list. Other things you're dreading doing, maybe that you're you're fearful to take hours and hours or it's just going to require something difficult of yourselves. And likewise, there are people who are in your life that uh, you have to work with, and maybe you love working with them, or maybe they're the kind of person who just dumps tasks on your plate or takes up too much of your time. And all of these elements of the emotional aspect of our, our humanity have a tremendous impact on our productivity.
0: When asked, most business professionals tell me that they waste about two to three hours a day of their time. So how can the average business professional become better at time management so they aren't wasting so much time every day?
1: Well, it's great that people are being honest with you and admitting how much time they waste. And I think that really is the first step, is to ask for forgiveness. And if you're not talking to your accountability coach, Look for self-forgiveness. Recognize that you're gonna have great days and you're gonna have bad days and, and wallowing and how unproductive you've been is is wasteful. There's an old DeMarco and Lister quote that there's a million ways to waste a work day, but no way to get one back. So after you, you've really identified to forgive yourself, it's, it's important to make a careful list of what are the interruptions and the distractions that are impacting you, right? Is it email notifications that pop up while you're working? Is it your phone constantly beeping with, with uh, notifications from, from Twitter or your text messages? Is it people who walk by your office just to chit chat? It could send you an email instead. right? What are the things that are getting in the way of your ability to concentrate and how can you modify your behavior in order to take control of those?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and when you bring up emails, I even think emails can be disruptive. So how many times have staff sent to people in the office, not only the business owner, but, you know, zing, zing, here, here's an email, do this, you know, trying to reverse delegate or trying to ask questions. And I think those can be essentially distractions as well. What do you think?
1: They definitely can be, especially when we treat email as a way to, you know, be passive aggressive at a distance, or to avoid a difficult conversation, or just to pass the buck. I mean, email is a wonderful te- technology for being able to delegate information or, or provide key details in a written form. But if you want to have a conversation with somebody, you shouldn't do it over email. And if the issue is urgent, You shouldn't send someone a message. You should go and talk to them or pick up the phone and get their attention right away. And we tend to use email as sort of this catch-all mechanism to really avoid getting things done in a productive and direct way.
0: Good point, good point. So what do you recommend people do to really help them reduce these interruptions and distractions that obviously plague most offices?
1: Yeah, so the first thing you do is to try to get out of the office. If you can work from somewhere else, even from a conference room or a different part of the building, go to a coffee shop, head home for a while, just changing your location can really improve your productivity. And that's for a couple of reasons. Certainly the things that are part of your existing environment are less likely to interrupt you and distract you if you're in a different place. But also the stimulation of being in an unusual environment can help to create creativity, and it can also get you away from any patterns and systems you might do. It's always fascinating to visit someone at their desk and get a sense for how much they, they tidy or they mess with things or they run across the same pile of papers looking for something in that area that uh, just takes up time. And getting away from all that, only bringing in the work you need to do for the project that's at hand can really reduce the degree of distractions and interruptions.
0: Now, I recommend to my clients that they use what I call a prioritized action list or I call it a pal, It's your buddy or pal, which is basically like a glorified to-do list. It's basically a simple to-do list, but obviously everything is in priority order, hence the name. And it really has all their high payoff activities on it that help them achieve their goals. And these are the things that only they can do and can't be delegated to someone else. How do you suggest people create their to-do list so that they can make the most progress on their activities that only they can do.
1: Well, first of all, when talking about any kind of to-do list, whether it's your personalized action list, like you mentioned, or even the to-do list of your, of your calendar of the things you're doing, the main element to understand is what psychologists call the zagarnik effect. And this was discovered really at the turn of the last century by a woman named Bluma Zagarnik. And she noticed that when you go to a restaurant and you order your food, the waiters would tend to keep things in mind. they run off and get whatever you ordered. But if you ask them after they had delivered your meal, you know, does this have a pine nuts in it? Or how did the chef make this? They would have no idea what you're talking about because of the Zagarnik effect. Because when we have to remember something, it, it creates a mental weight. And then once we let go of it, once we've delivered the food and don't have to know what anybody ordered anymore, we can move on. So the big value of these lists is that they allow us to reduce the mental weight of having to say, okay, Robbie, don't forget to go to the dry cleaning. Okay, don't forget trash days, move to tomorrow because of the holiday. All of these things we're making ourselves remember, create mental weight and reduce our productivity. They make us stressed and they make us less successful. So the first thing about to-do lists is to really understand the psychology of how they work. And then from there, it's really about understanding the nature of you and your business and your needs. And I agree with you, it's very important to identify what is it that only I can do versus what is it that I can delegate. And for some business owners, they're not in a place where they can delegate a lot of things. They're new in their business, cash flow is tight, they don't have a lot of resources. But just making the list and identifying what they can do themselves, What can be delegated to others and understanding the emotional impact of those tasks allow them to decide what order to do things in. That way you can make sure that if you've got a daunting thing like, you know, going through receipts or calling a customer about an outstanding invoice, you can add on to it something positive like having lunch with a friend or reaching out to a favorite person to check in.
0: Wow, that's really important. And I've always told my clients also that, you know, the stuff in your head are distractions, you know, all those things that you are thinking about. So making the list really is so important to get all that stuff that's lingering in our heads out um, and then put it in some kind of priority order to tackle it, don't you think? Absolutely. So give us an idea of what you mean when you talk about workflows. So what does it mean and how can you design and improve on workflows within an organization?
1: Workflow is the structure and sequence of activities that produce well-defined results. I think that definition really puts it clearly because if you want to create a result, whether it's a marketing plan for your client, whether it's a a pie for your customer and your bakery. The workflow is the well-defined series of sequences and patterns and choices that generate a specific desired result. And most of the time in organizations, we don't really have any well-defined workflow. We just do the things we kind of know how to do because we've always been doing them and somebody else showed them how to do us. But that doesn't really uh, achieve the great results. In fact, oftentimes you go into companies and you find people are doing things for absolutely crazy reasons, generating reports that don't matter, making copies in duplicate, entering information that nobody uses because the workflow is not well understood and the results are not well defined.
0: Well, that is a, a really good definition. I've always found that when I work with my clients, that to get staff to really create these workflows or processes or systems, they find that it's, you know, job security. So they don't really wanna put the time and energy into creating them because they think, you know, everything they have in their head is gonna, you know, keep them having a job, you know, at this location. And I think that's just so wrong. And I always tell my clients, you know, you have to be able to have them create workflows for every function, whether it's answering the phone or making a copy or whatever it might be, so that anybody could come in and actually execute it if something happened to this person. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and that's
1: a common statement that people make, that uh, individuals and organizations, stakeholders, don't want to document their processes or explain how they do things because they feel that the secret knowledge represents job security. And that probably is true in some cases, but I don't think that's really what's happening. I think that we're taking the existing centuries old adversarial model of work that we have bosses and employees, that we have owners and we have serfs that have to do the things and we're applying that adversarial model automatically. And we're used to the idea that you know labor and management are always going to fight. But in the modern organization, we really are much more like peers that are all collaborating to produce something for a customer. And there might be a hierarchy, there might be a person who needs to make a decision over others. It doesn't mean that they're a better or more important or more valuable person. It just means that the hierarchy is part of the decision-making process. So from my view, the real reason why employees tend to push back on documenting their processes or describing their workflow is they don't feel like they truly own that part of the business. It's just something they have to do and they'd rather do the thing they have been doing because that is safe and familiar than to switch gears and to help describe their workflow from a larger, broader perspective. So I think it's more fear of change and uh, a less of a sense of ownership and autonomy that really prevents people from being engaged.
0: How would you change that mindset then? And that I guess, environment or thinking. How What would you suggest people do to change that?
1: Let go. That's one of the hardest things to do. In, in our team, we have all of our team members work remotely. And I encourage everyone to say that, to, to do things and experiment and uh, and to be able to reach out and make connections. You know, Alyssa in our office reached out to, you to have this podcast, and I didn't give her any directions whatsoever. I just said, hey, I'd like to be on some more podcasts, find some places and make it happen. And so by giving her ownership and autonomy over that task, she was able to develop her own tracking system for contacting hosts like yourself, her scripts for emails and for follow-ups. She figured out ways to get things correct on my calendar and to get me prepared. And since she had ownership and autonomy over that process, she wanted to document it. She wanted to help it be something which others could use because she has pride in her work.
0: Oh, that's really good. I like that a lot. So what are some other examples of business processes that people might want to start making sure they have those in their business? Well,
1: first of all, the most important workflows to do are the ones you least like doing. So my favorite example is accounting and bookkeeping. Most business owners are required to do some accounting and bookkeeping and most business owners I've come across, and, and I'm sure you probably would say the same thing, are terrible at following up with all of their, uh, their management of their, accounts, of their accounting. They uh, show up at the end of the year with their accountant with a big box of receipts and say help. And uh, that doesn't really provide a good workflow or a good result for that accountant or that relationship. So things like managing your, your financials are a good example we need to process. Every time that you spend some money, save the receipts, scan it into the same system, file it in the same filing cabinet, follow a well-documented, well-defined process that keeps that information together. Because even if you're saving it in a way that's not how the accountant wants it, if it is organized, then they will be able to find things following your organizational system. So start with the things that you don't wanna do. Things like keeping the office clean, keeping up with correspondence, managing your finances, doing your social media, things that you need to do on an ongoing basis that you as a business owner may not personally enjoy.
0: How do you think boss-employee relationships impact the overall effectiveness and efficiency?
1: (sighs) That's a, a great question. One of the challenges is that most people have an adversarial or at least a suspicious relationship between the boss and the employee. On on the side of the manager, there's always the question of how much work is my employee really doing? How valuable are they to the company? Is there somebody else who is more skilled, more productive, more diligent who would do better at that job? And from the employee's perspective, there's often a question of, Am I being watched or am I being monitored or am I going to be misconstrued or misinterpreted in doing the work that I have to do? And so, we, one of the things first we thing need to do is need to try to, to eliminate or to reduce this degree of adversarial relationships because the nation between a boss and an employee is not about one person being in charge of the other entirely. It's about organizing the work that results in delegation or downward flow. So simply acknowledging that and saying that, hey, I may be your boss, but I'm not the boss of you. I'm not in charge of you. Really, what we're trying to do is deliver value for the customer, and we're working together to do that, can help to reduce that stress. And it takes time to develop those relationships and to establish trust.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. I would agree with that. What are some ways people could find out a little bit more about you, what you do, how you might be able to help them?
1: Well, I appreciate the question. I, I'm uh, certainly uh, on the Internet, all over all the place you can search for my name, Robbie Slaughter with a Y. I've got uh, some new books out. My brand new book that came out last year is called The New Science of Time Management. And I think that book is particularly of interest to a lot of your audience who are really struggling to find ways to manage their time and get more done uh, with uh, the limited resources they have.
0: And they can, I assume, order that off either your website or Amazon, or where would you prefer they go for that? Either way
1: is fine. We have a website, accelerwork.com, and you can also go to Amazon and look for it there. But we would love uh, for folks to pick up the book and get their feedback on it.
0: Yeah, time management, no matter what you do in life, obviously is very important. And like I said in in one of my questions, most people tell me they waste two to three hours a day. And that certainly adds up over time. And just think about if you were more productive during those two to three hours, how much more time you would have to do whatever it is you might want to do if it's not related to work.
1: Indeed. Well, this definitely hasn't been a waste of my time, And Thank you so much for the chance to be part of your podcast.
0: I appreciate you being here. Well, my hope for our time together with Robbie is that you got value in an idea or two that will help you be even more successful personally and professionally. Feel free to share my podcast with others as they can be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries. If you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which can again be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries. I'm going to be leaving some links to business success resources in the show notes to help you with being even better at time management, delegation, and communication with your team, which can accelerate your business results. Always remember to aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day today and every day. Thanks for listening.